0: All right. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to open them to Acts chapter 8. If you don't have one with you, there's one in the pew in front of you. These are new, by the way. You might get one that hasn't even been broken yet, so you can break it in today, or you can certainly look at the screen uh, behind me ahead of you. If you want to follow along that way, that's totally fine. But this morning, we're going to take some time to look at Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Uh, We last time met, in the book of Acts, looked at the life of Philip as he was called to be one of the first servants in the church uh, to care for uh, people, but also became an evangelist that essentially went north to Samaria and shared the good news of Jesus Christ with the multitudes up there. Today, we're going to take a look at a different part of Philip's story in that he wasn't sent by God to the multitudes. He was sent by God to the one to share the good news of Jesus Christ, which leads me to the place where I get to remind you today or even tell you today that we're going to talk about the importance of personal evangelism, one-on-one telling people about Jesus. So now you're all prepared for where we're going. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. Follow along as I read. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit down with him. The passage of the scripture that he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from him? The eunuch asked Philip, Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, "'Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized?' He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing.'" Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Pray with me. Father God, thank you for your word, for your son, Jesus Christ, who brings salvation to our lives and for the Holy Spirit that seals our salvation unto eternity, that empowers and equips us for ministry and for the sharing of the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray today that through the preaching of your word and through your Holy Spirit, that you would encourage us as Christians to consider the significance the importance and our responsibility in sharing Jesus with those in our lives. That we would do it faithful. That we we would listen to you. And that we would be obedient to you, just like Philip, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you recall, several months ago when we started the book of Acts... There was that one verse in the beginning of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, 8, where we find really the big idea of what's going on as the church was birthed and then sent out on mission into the world. And it's in Acts 1, 8, where we recognize and realize the fulfillment of Jesus' promise to those who follow him. Remember his followers known as his disciples were with him and he was getting ready to ascend into heaven and he told them to go to Jerusalem and to wait for that gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit that would empower them to be witnesses in this world beginning in Jerusalem and then Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. From that point forward, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, they did as Jesus said to do, and they waited. And then the promise was fulfilled when the Father sent the Spirit to the followers of Jesus and empowered them to go and to be a witness to tell others about Jesus in the world. Let me remind you that as the church, Jesus is the head and we are the body. We are the hands and feet of Jesus, still going into the world, working and doing the ministry of the gospel as we love and serve others and tell them the good news about Jesus Christ. See, being a witness for Jesus is neither natural nor is it easy. And this is why we need the Holy Spirit. For those of us who are Christians and have the Holy Spirit, we recognize that sharing Jesus with others is not natural. It's not easy. And in fact, without Jesus in us by way of the Holy Spirit, it's virtually impossible. We don't have a witness if we don't have the Holy Spirit in us. And so with the Holy Spirit in us, we are now prepped and ready to go into the world to talk to people about Jesus. I want you to consider today how you're doing in God's commission on your life personally as a Christian. We're going to get a little bit uncomfortable today with each other. Can we do that? Are you you going to give me permission to to push you a little bit, to, to make you feel a little bit uncomfortable as you evaluate your life as a Christian and how you're doing at telling people personally and individually about Jesus, are you okay with that? Man, some of you are. How about the rest of you? Well, okay. Doesn't matter, I guess. We're going there. So hang on for the ride. Because if we be honest, talking to others about Jesus isn't easy for a lot of reasons. I want to identify a couple of those with you this morning. For me, I'm afraid that I'm not going to get it right. You ever have that? Like, man, I, I mean, I, I think I'm willing, but I, 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 what if I don't get it right? That becomes a stronghold and it becomes something that, that causes me at times to, to, to not share Jesus. How about this one? I just don't know enough yet. I just don't know enough. I mean, that might be for you, but I'm not an outgoing person. I mean, that's for those extroverts. You know, those people who can handle talking to others like strangers about things. <sighs> Man. But, but, you know, it's not just strangers God wants us to tell the good news to. It's like our neighbors, our friends, our family, and yeah, they're, they're, they're those strangers, right? How about this one? What if I get rejected? How, how many of you like to be rejected in here? <laughs> well, you're in good company. Me either. Rejection's part of telling the good news of Jesus. And it's also one of the things that we're called to overcome but I also think it's a stumbling block to actually talking to others about Jesus. And if I be truly honest, and I get really raw and real with you this morning, I'm gonna take you to the edge. I'm gonna pose a question that might sit not quite right with you, but I'm okay with that. Maybe the real reason, if we be truly honest, is that we just don't care enough about others to tell them the most important news that they'll ever hear. Is that possibly true? That you can go through the list of all your excuses for not telling people about Jesus, but at the end of the day, maybe, just maybe, you actually don't care enough about people to tell them the most important news that they'll ever hear. Philip's our example of how important the one is. By the way, that question isn't just for you. I had to sit with it when I wrote it. And it's something I have to consider for myself. But this morning, I want to point your attention to Philip. And as as an example, who, who did care? He cared for the multitudes, but he also cared for the one. Remember, Philip was one of the seven chosen servants, the earliest deacons in the church, to distribute food to the needy and also to care for the widows. The apostles began their ministry of preaching and teaching the gospel. And in Jerusalem, the church grew to some twenty to 30,000 people, and then persecution happened. And then the apostles remained, but the Christian church got dispersed throughout the known world. And remember how the gospel was to go out in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And now what we find is that Philip, one of the seven who was caring for the distribution of food and widows, is scattered. Where did he get scattered to? he went to Samaria. Why did the apostles stay in Jerusalem? Because their ministry was preaching and teaching and edifying, building up the church so that when the church would be persecuted and sent out, they were ready to go out and share the good news of Jesus with others. This is why we as a faith community come together every week. We gather in this place to be encouraged, to be instructed in the word of God, to be equipped and prepared And so that when we go into the world, we're ready to share the good news. See, it's not just the evangelist or the preacher's job. It's my job to teach, train, and equip you for the ministry of the gospel. And that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to stretch you. I'm going to make you so uncomfortable that when you leave here, you'll do nothing but tell people about Jesus. Hopefully but that's our calling. That's our mission. That's what God wants us to do. Interesting enough that as Philip went north to Samaria, he had a great ministry. But God sent him then south from the multitudes to the one. And in doing so, Philip encountered a man who needed his help for a different hunger reason than food. He was hungry for God. And he was spending time in the Word of God. And as he was chewing on the Word of God, and he was hungering after God, he didn't know what to do with what was going on. And so God sent Philip to him to help him understand what he was reading and who God was and what God was up to through the person of Jesus Christ. It's interesting that this Ethiopian eunuch just left Jerusalem. He was going home to Ethiopia. And on his journey home, we must recognize he was in Jerusalem to worship God. Likely a proselyte, maybe born a Jew, we don't really know. He was certainly different than the Samaritans in so many ways. But this man had the scriptures. He was just worshiping God. And yet he doesn't know the one true God. Think of the irony. How many people sit in a church week in and week out who have the word of God at their disposal, who come and worship God, but don't know God as their Lord and Savior? It was true of this Ethiopian eunuch. It's possibly true of some of you. But God calls Philip to this man to share with him the good news of the gospel. I mean, Philip was in Samaria. These were the least of these. These were the half-breeds. These were the rejects. And, and, And Philip is like, sharing the good news of Jesus and people are being changed and joy is being experienced like no other. In fact, Peter and John get sent to Samaria to to, to verify the message of the gospel and then to bring the Holy Spirit to God's people. And people are not only getting saved, but they're getting filled with the Spirit. And not only that, they're recognizing and realizing who God is and who Jesus is and what he's done. And, And now the gospel's going out from there. Amazing. I mean, Philip, from at least our perspective, has got to be feeling really good about his ministry. And he got there by way of obedience to God's call on his life. But now God shows up and he calls him to a new ministry in a new context. From the multitudes to the one. I mean, God says, okay, Philip, now I want you to go south to a desert road into the desert where there is nobody how would you react? I mean, for me, I think I'd be like, okay, um, I'm really sorry, God, what I do wrong? From the multitudes to the none, from the many to, is there any? Talk about a demotion. Yet, this wasn't Philip's mindset. It certainly wasn't his response. Philip's response to God was, Yes, God, I'll go. And he did. You know what I think this tells us? That as important as the many are to Jesus, so are the one. So is the one. You see, if you were the one in the desert, God would send Philip to you. Do you ever feel like you're the one in the desert? I want you to know you're not alone. God sees you. And he'll meet you. And he'll send someone to care for you. To love you. And to call you. To follow him. Through Philip's obedience and guidance of the Holy Spirit, he was able to help the Ethiopian eunuch come to faith in Christ. At the end of the story of Acts chapter 8, what we recognize is that Philip went on his way northward and preached the gospel until he got to Caesarea. The Ethiopian eunuch was baptized in water after he confessed Christ, and then he made his way to Ethiopia. It doesn't tell us in the text, but church tradition tells us that the Ethiopian eunuch became an evangelist himself and began to share Jesus with people all throughout Ethiopia. See, I think sometimes we miss the blessing of God in our life in how God wants us to be involved in the lives of those around us because we're so consumed with ourself. I hear often, when I wake up each day, I look forward to what God is up to in my life and the blessings that are going to come my way. Is it possible, though, that if we live our lives in that way, we're going to miss out on the opportunity that God has for us to love and to care for the other. I want to give you a new way to ask the question. If you begin your day in prayer like many of us do and I do. Rather than praying for God to reveal to you how he's going to show up in your life and bless you immensely, Maybe we could turn that prayer outward rather than inward and say, God, I'm looking forward today how you're going to use me to show up in someone else's life and be a blessing to them. See, it's not all about you. If you're a Christian, God wants you to be a blessing to the other. And what we need to do is learn to take the eyes off ourself and put them on the other so that we don't miss the opportunity that God has for us to be a blessing to those around us. The question maybe is, are we so focused on ourselves that we miss these opportunities that God has for us? Or are we attentive to God so that we see others through his eyes? God sees you. And maybe you only see you two. But today I want to encourage you to turn your eyes from yourself and to look outward so that you can see others as God sees them. Because God not only cares about the multitude, God cares about the one. God cares about you. And God cares about those who don't know him yet. And God wants to care for them through you. If we consider Philip's life and and principles or guidelines for being an effective witness for Jesus in our world, let's consider just verses 26 to 31 being that we are to yield daily to the Holy Spirit's guidance in our life. You're taking notes this morning. It's a worthwhile note to take. Like Philip, we're to yield daily to the Holy Spirit's guidance in our life. As for Philip, verse 26, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. I want to pause there for a minute and explain something. What was so unique about this Ethiopian eunuch compared to the Samaritans was really his position in life. As the Samaritans were poor, as they were the outcasts, as they were the least of these, this Ethiopian eunuch was so different than that. He was a person of power and prestige and authority. He was black and not white. He wasn't even brown. He was a person who uh, had great wealth and was given great responsibility within the kingdom of Ethiopia. The fact that he had the word of God tells us he was wealthy because only the wealthy could have the word of God in printed form. And here he was out in the desert, being pursued by God, as God sent to him Philip. Verse 28, Prior to that, the eunuch was gone to Jerusalem to worship, verse 28, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. That's just how people normally read scripture back then. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over as he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? Instructs me, And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage And sit with him. If we're to yield to the Holy Spirit in our life, we have to be sensitive to the Spirit in our life. Recognize that Philip not only went to Samaria because the Holy Spirit guided him there, but Philip also went to the desert for the one because the Holy Spirit guided him there. If we are going to be people who are effective in day to day evangelism, reaching our family, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, and strangers around us, we must be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in our life as Christians. So, how do we get that? How do we become that? I can't stress enough the importance of spiritual disciplines, like reading your Bible. Why are we doing the one-year Bible read through as a church family? So that we immerse ourselves in the Word of God. If you haven't joined us yet, don't worry about the past. Get on board today and move forward with us. Saturate yourself in the Word of God so that you know the Word of God, the commands of God, and you can live for God. How about prayer? When we pray, let's not just pray for me, my, and what I want, but for those around us and how we can be used by God to be a blessing to those in our life. We're to listen to the Holy Spirit and and listen to the Word of God and and, in response like Philip, then obey it. Our problem as Christians today often is not that we don't know enough. It's that we're not obedient enough. We don't do as the Word of God says. We don't respond to the Holy Spirit as God prompts us to. I can't even stress the importance of the need to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit through prayer and the reading of the Word, and then responding in obedience to God. We are to consider what God may be up to in other people's lives, not just our own. God's up to something good in your life. I believe that full well. As a child of God, you are a recipient of the full blessing of God. But don't be so consumed by yourself. Consider the other above yourself and before yourself so that life isn't all about you. Life is about God using you to be a blessing to others. Do you guys know who the coach Lou Holtz is? Give me some nods. Yeah, okay. Lou Holtz, old coach, football coach, great guy. He was recently interviewed, maybe not recent. I don't know. I read it recently. Um, But he was asked what the difference was between football players of today and 50 years ago. That's the question. I want you to consider his response. I'm going to read it slowly so it can set in a little bit, okay? His response was simple. Today's athletes talk about rights and privileges. I'm going to stop there. Today's athletes talk about rights and privileges. And the players 50 years ago talked about obligations and responsibilities. Obligations and responsibilities. If I have permission to take the liberty, which I just am going to, I think this is true of our culture today. Can I also say, sadly, it may be true of the church too much of the time. I mean, when your eyes are on yourself and you're all about the blessing, it's all about my rights and privileges as a Christian. Please hear me, you have rights and privileges as a Christian, and God's going to pour them out on you daily so I'm not against it. But what about your obligation and responsibility as a Christian? The work of the gospel isn't just for the preacher and the evangelist. It's actually for you, the church. We must move from rights and privileges to obligation and responsibility if we're going to care for people in our lives. That's why I think it's a great question. Do we care enough about people that will actually share the greatest news they ever need to hear? When we understand the obligation we have to that and our responsibility to that, then maybe we will. Are you hearing me, church? This is hard, isn't it? I'm guilty too. This isn't just about you. This is about us. This is about me too. Do you believe and therefore live like every interaction with people throughout your day is a divine encounter? Are you prepared for your daily divine encounters with others? How are you preparing for your daily divine encounters with others? Are you in the Word daily? Are you in prayer constantly? Do, your high, do you have your eyes set outward rather than inward? Are you listening and responding to the word of God and to the Holy Spirit in your life? One of the places that I love to talk to people about Jesus is on airplanes. I mean, where else are you going to have a one-on-one captive audience for a certain amount of time, right? Right? But I want you to know something. It's one of those places in life that I actually go prepared and prayed up, hoping that God would sit me next to somebody who needs Jesus. And if they don't need Jesus, they need to be encouraged and loved. And I come prayed up and ready to do that. And I want you to know That, yeah, okay, you might look at me and say, yeah, great for you, pastor, we expect that out of you and it's easy for you. I mean, you tell us about Jesus all the time. You know what? It's easier to tell you about Jesus up here to the multitudes than it is for me to sit to next somebody and try to tell them about Jesus. I want you to know that. And I want you to know how I feel about it. When I go in there, I'm like, okay, God, this is, if you don't show up, it's a train wreck, maybe a plane crash. That might be a better way to say it, right? But here's the deal. I get to see the person I'm gonna sit next to and now my heart's racing. My hands are sweaty. I have these little things in my neck. You can't see them because of my beard, but they like pulsate. I I get a dry mouth. I kind of do this weird breathing thing. All of this is because I recognize that God's up to something, not in my life, but in theirs. And then there's that moment in conversation where it's the right time to talk to them about Jesus in a way that encourages them. And I say to God, no, not now. And he's like, no, really, now. And I'm like, no, yes, no, ah. Okay, you ever been there? And have you ever not responded? Me too. I'm sorry for that. But have you ever responded? Me too, I have. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the joy that it brought to my life, but I'm more grateful for the joy it brought to their life. And what I have found out is this if I'm willing, God's always faithful. And when I'm not willing, God's still faithful. See, it's not our job to change anybody, it's not our job to save anybody. It is our job to be faithful to tell people about Jesus in such a way that they'll hear the good news and have an opportunity to respond to the good news. The second thing is that we must understand and be ready to share the good news about Jesus. We must understand the good news about Jesus so that we can be ready to share the good news about Jesus. Beginning in verse 32, the passage of Scripture that uh, this Ethiopian eunuch was reading was actually Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. The eunuch asked Philip, verse 34, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same Scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And they rode along, and they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip was baptized. The implication of that is that he responded to the good news of the gospel. He got saved, and he got baptized. But did you see Philip's approach? He listened to God and obeyed God. That put him in a position to listen to the Ethiopian eunuch and respond to the eunuch from where the eunuch was with a message that the eunuch needed to hear he began with the very scripture that the eunuch was reading he didn't come with a prescript and said i hear you have some spiritual curiosities let me tell you the gospel in the way only way i know how and then you start from where you're at and you confuse the person by the time you're done That's not how we share the gospel. We share the gospel from the starting point of the person, not from our starting point. And that's exactly what Philip did. And in order for us to share the gospel accurately, we must know the gospel. We must understand the word of God. Does this feel repetitive? Yes, it might. But I can't stress it enough. Until we're all doing it, we need to continue to hear it. So we must take time to listen to others. Let's be sensitive to their questions and curiosities in life. Let's understand the spiritual matters that they're concerned about so that we can actually speak directly to them about what they want to know about God. Understanding someone's starting point with God is critical To being an effective witness for Jesus. Let me remind you that if God gives you that opportunity, not only is He preparing that person, but He's also been preparing you. So let's get to know the Bible. Let's understand the gospel. Let's live, as we call it here, the blessed life. We begin with prayer. We take time to listen with care. We'll find time to eat together. We'll serve people with love. And we'll get around to sharing God's story for his glory. That's the BLESS acronym that we teach you. Practical evangelism in everyday life. We must be tactful. We must be considerate. We must not be pushy. People are not projects. People are objects of God's love and affection and care. That's who we are. And we must be clear. The other day, I had an opportunity to sit with a young man, not from our church, not even from our community. He learned I was a pastor and he loves philosophy, so he thought he could ask me some questions. And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. And this was his question. So you know how humans have souls? Yes. With the advancement of AI, artificial intelligence, the development of technology and science, we're almost to the point where through AI, a computer can communicate with a human, can reason, can respond, can express feelings and emotions. Since the advancement of AI, artificial intelligence, has come so far, how long do you think it will be before science and technology is able to create a human soul, to which I pulled the card, call the pastor. (laughs) What in the world am I going to say to this? I took time. For 45 minutes, we just talked. We got around to the fact that we realized together that God only can create souls. Souls are not material, they're eternal they're spiritual beings. The soul created by God as humans is for us to understand that we are made in the image and likeness of God. That our soul is not just a physical experience on earth, but we're actually spiritual beings having a physical experience and that our soul lives on for eternity. And because of that, the only one who can create a soul is the creator himself. Because of that, we got around to the gospel. Because after all, if we're going to talk about souls in eternity, my question is, where's your soul going in eternity? To which we got to understand that Every single human being that has a soul, which is all human beings, we all have the same problem, and it's sin. We all have the same need to be forgiven of our sin. We all have the same solution to our sin problem, but we can't save ourselves. Only God provides the solution to the sin problem we have, and that's through the person of Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you don't know the gospel, I just told it to you. You got a sin problem. and So do I. You need a savior. So do I. Only God's provided that savior. It's through his son, Jesus Christ. And when you by faith receive him to forgive you of your sin, you can be called the child of God. And your soul is now equipped for eternity with God forever. But should you reject the savior and try to be your own, When your soul is evaluated by God, God will reject you too. And your eternity then is away from God in hell forever. Now this man did not turn to me and say, I want Jesus, let's pray me into the kingdom. I wish he would have, but this is what he said. I'm so glad we talked today because I now think so much differently about God than I have ever thought before. And I think so much differently today than I would have had we not had this conversation. I want you to know that's a win. And God's calling that man to salvation. Lastly, our time's up and I'm going to quit. But point number three is worth stating and worth seeing. And here it is, realize The good news of Jesus brings great joy to people's lives. Listen to this. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself further north in the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he got to Caesarea. The response of the Samaritans when they responded to the gospel was joy. The response to the one eunuch to the gospel was joy. The good news of Jesus brings great joy to people's lives. So here's my encouragement to you today. Don't miss out on God's opportunity of providing you an opportunity to be a part of somebody's life upon which God wants to use you to be a blessing in their life. We do this when we yield to the Spirit and to the Word of God, and we do this when we understand the Word of God and can meet people where they're at and share the good news of Jesus. And by doing that, we will bring good news and great joy to all people. Isn't that good stuff? Amen? Hey, let's praise God for that. All right. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing, and then we're going to go do what we do. Father God, thank you so much for our time in your word, the encouragement. And Lord, help us to be people who submit to the Holy Spirit in our life, who live, love, and serve you well, that we may bring the good news and great joy of Jesus to all people. We pray this now in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.